Alexa, what time is it? It's 6.27pm. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. Well, there we are. Ah, and here we go. Seamless. Another show. Lockdown runs on, but uh, again, you know, it's a uh, it's a new week. Sun's out. Got to love it. How's your week been, Simon? Um, I, I'm trying to remember it now. It's um, it's not been too bad. Um, I got some I got some free exercise yesterday by um going and doing some bits in my local community, delivering some library books to the good folks of Cosham. Um, and some jigsaw puzzles. I didn't know the library did jigsaw puzzles. Um, so, um, yeah, so that was a kind of good excuse to kind of get out and about yesterday. Um, also um, listened to um, the first Lib Dem leadership hustings um, event that I, that I virtually attended uh, yesterday. So uh, so that was good. But otherwise, um, yeah, not so much excitement this week. Um Again, I'm just still counting good things when when neither me or the cats are injured in any way whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep that up. But it was it was your birthday this week. It was my birthday yesterday, mm-hmm. and oh, what a mixed bag it, it, it was. Fridge freezer broke in the week, so I had to have a new one delivered yesterday. So there was all the excitement of preparing for a tip run and emptying the old fridge freezer and defrosting it, and and uh, then. Later in the evening, um, the blind cricket season was cancelled. COVID-19 has done for us. Um, unfortunately, whilst recreational cricket came back yesterday, which was great for all of the folk, when it says you must, you cannot attend by taking public transport, obviously, as all of our players are blind or partially sighted, that's rather um, put a hole in the bottom of our boat. So that was us scuttled. But there was a takeaway pizza, and today is... The barbecue's been running since 10 o'clock. There's a piece of pork resting. But I learned a valuable lesson today. And Don't what, doubt what the roasting tray against your naked torso. Very bad. Uh, no, uh, and and don't Google that either. No, um, no. no. Very, very specialist niche area. That it one. is, but it's bound to the more specialist and niche it is on the internet, the, the less tasteful the responses are likely to be. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, hopefully you, you haven't hurt yourself too badly. Uh, there's uh, there's a bit of a red mark there, and we've applied unctions. This is one of the, unfortunately, one of the uh, one of the occupational hazards of being a blind barbecue. But um, it, we don't we don't uh, have incidents too often. So, is it fair to say there is a bit of red on you? Yes, yes, it's probably the reddest I've been for some time. For quite some time. Um, sorry, that's a small, um, a lame, uh, small political joke. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're not seriously injured and sorry that your birthday wasn't as exciting and the kind of the situation with the blind cricket. But hopefully things all, um, things all uh, tick along and progress and, you know, yeah. maybe we'll get closer to Nick. that normal. So yeah, the trouble is ne- next April now is the uh, first time we're going to get to play. Oh crikey, that's that's a, that's definitely a long way away. Um, yeah. So um, so before I go into the the wonder and excitement spot that is um, on this day, um, so it isn't just us talking this week, as I can hear no? sighs of relief from across the internet. So we've got two um, two local business owners that we'll be welcoming welcoming on um, shortly. Um, so who we got in? 
So we've got George Madwick, um, who is the proprietor, owner, uh, we'll find out exactly all of the things that he does as a small business owner, of Wix Bistro in Cosham. And we have got Steve Voros from the a local radiator shop in London Road in Hilsey. Um, and so obviously they've been operating their businesses uh, during these challenging times. And we're going to have a jolly good kick about with them about, you know, what was life like before, during and now as businesses are opening up the other side of it. And, um, and we'll get their insights as to how supported or otherwise they feel by Portsmouth City Council and the government in general. Indeed. So it'd be really great to hear what both of them have got to say. So I, I can hear that everybody's poised like a coiled zebra to hear, to hear basically on this day. which On is, this day. So I almost feel like it should have some music that goes with it. But um, to be frank, um, can't we be can bothered. fix that in post. Yeah, yeah we, can, we can sort that out later. We'll, we'll, make it sound, we'll make it sound professional. In the same way that I, I cut out of the actual pod, podcast upload, <laughs> the bit where I accidentally cut off my own Wi-Fi last week. Um, Is so, that a euphemism? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I literally disconnected myself, which is something that, to, to be fair, maybe lots of other people um, would like me to do. Um, as well so I see um, so um, quickly on the on this day so um, all the way back to 1679 um, King Charles II ratifies habeas corpus act allowing prisoners the right to be in prison that are uh, prisoners hang on allowing prisoners um, that are to um, that are to be imprisoned the right to be examined by a court um, which is an interesting thing um, there's a there's a modern um, element to that but I, I shall try to stay on course um, so the former in 1804 the former United States uh, Secretary of the Treasury Alexander Hamilton dies after being shot in a pistol duel by Vice President Aaron Burr um, so you know we, we talk about the, old, uh, the gun problem yeah well we talk it's, about the gun problem goes in the back States, a while, doesn't it? but we also talk about um and these two had lots of history. They really, there is lots of bad blood. I mean, so much bad blood between them that there's actually a musical uh, about Alexander Hamilton. Um, is that Hamilton, the musical? Yes, it is. Um, ah, one of my mates at work has been banging on about that all weekend on social media. Yes. so um, And I uh, wasn't familiar with it. Yes. Yeah, so at some point when we can go back to theatres, that might be something um, something worth going to, um, going to enjoy. Um, but yeah, they had lots of bad blood between them. And um, um, basically, um, I think there's kind of the theory that they couldn't. Um, so um, Burr couldn't back out of it because of basically political um, pressure because he wouldn't, he wouldn't, we kind of really want to back down. But if we're talking about how the existing incumbents of the White House are a little bit uncontrollable, at least neither of them shot anyone yet. Right. Let's, let's, let's but, focus you know, on the word yet. <laughs> but there's, you know, there's, there's time to come. I mean, to be fair, um, Trump could probably um, sew up re-election in November right now by shooting see, someone. Do you see he was out and about with a face mask on yesterday? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I, I've, um, I, 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 um, I was making good use of mine yesterday, um, and I've, I've even bought a, a reusable one, so that's um, that's good. So, 1863, New Zealand British British forces invade. Um, I'm probably going to make this uh, make this pronunciation up. Um, Waikato, um, which is the well, home. Waikato. Okay, thank you. Um, home of the Maori King movement, uh, beginning a new phase of the wars between the Maori and the colonial British. God, these Brits—they get everywhere. They cause problems. They, you know, they turn up. They invade. 
Um, and um, 1916 um, saw the last two um, victims of a of an incident on Jersey Shore. Um, not Jersey Shore as in the TV program, Jersey Shore as in the, the place. Um, but the last two um, fatal attacks of a string of shark attacks that took place um, at uh, the Matawan Creek. Um, the the penultimate one being um, epileptic uh, Lester Stillwell, um, who's an 11-year-old, was dragged into the creek. Um, and another person present, Watson Fisher, 24, believing uh, Stillwell had been suffering from a seizure, went in to uh, rescue him and... and um, was bitten while retrieving, uh, retrieving uh, Stillwell, um, and subsequently bleeds to death. Um, and there is a um, the last attack is Joseph Dunn, um, fourteen, who's attacked by the shark, suffering um, non-fatal wounds. Um, who was the final episode? Um, but over over twelve days, four people died. Um, why am I mentioning shark attacks? Um, something about I, I saw a meme this week about. Um, We've decided not to bother oh, tracking and tracing the yeah. shark, but here's 10 quid to spend on the beach. Um, so that's why I, I thought that one um, was relevant. Um, it's a bit of a stretch, I know, but there we go. Uh, 1933, Congress passes first minimum wage law at 33 cents an hour. Minimum wage laws, they'll never catch on. Um, really generous. 1954, President Eisenhower puts forward a plan for an interstate highway system. Um, in 1960, the USSR Sputnik 5 launched with two dogs. And then cool. the same day, but only two years later, for the first time, the USSR launches two manned craft into space at the same time. That's Yuri Gagarin, isn't it? Uh, no, but wasn't, wasn't, Gagarin was the first man in space. I don't know whether he was on the two separate craft that were launched at the same time. My, yeah. my research didn't go that far. Um, and in 1967, a race riot in Newark, New Jersey, 26 killed, uh, 1,500 injured, and over 1,000 arrested. Um, so there were that's, some other things, but I trimmed it down. That's, uh, that's got out of hand. Right. So. How are we off for guests in the lobby? Uh, they are both in the lobby. We're at um, 36 minutes past six, um, but they're both already there. So let's, um, let, let's let them in. So let's 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 bring in the guests. See, look, you don't have to listen to us. It's, there are other people. Um, so I shall click and admit to let them both in, and we'll let the settings kind of catch up, and hopefully they are both coming on. So yes, yeah, so we've got um, George and Steve, both business. Both operating their their businesses. Uh, George is in, as Ian's mentioned, in uh, Cosham High Street, and Steve's is um, is in North End. So, George and Steve, are you there? Have we got the connection working? Can we? Hello, hear? Simon. Hello, hello, <coughs> hello. This is George. Hi, George. How are you doing? Not too bad yourself. Uh, I'm you? I'm all right. We can, we can hear you fine. Can you hear you? Can you hear Ian and I? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you fine as well. Brilliant. That's fantastic. And Steve, are you there as well? Hello. Hello. Steve, are you there? Okay. Well, while we um, can't quite, can't hear Steve, I don't know if Steve... If can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yep. Got you. Oh, Aha, brilliant. Fantastic. Yay. So, um, the terrors of the internet. 
So, um, so George, did you want to go first and introduce yourself and your business? Sure, sure. So I'm George Madrick. I'm the owner of the Wix Bistro um, in Cosham in Portsmouth. And we're kind of like a premium dining small restaurant, essentially. We now seat just under 30 people. So I'd say it's quite intimate and small. Um, but yeah, we open seven days a week and uh, we cook kind of more of a, a step above normal dining, but a step below fine dining style of food. Okay, lovely. What an excellent. excellent summary. Um, and uh, Steve, if you can if you can do the same. Um, yeah, my name's Steve Voros. I'm the boss of radiatorshowroom.com in uh, London Road, Hilsey. Um, basically, we sell trendy radiators. We've been doing it since about 2006. Um, and uh, yeah, we're not your sort of average run-of-the-market bog-standard panel radiators. We do the sort of flashy ones that go up the wall and around the corners and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and uh, we're sort of still, still around um, <laughs> in this interesting time um, because as a sort of luxury radiator supplier, we're not an essential business. So we've had a bit of an interesting time over the last couple of months. Um, it's been rather relaxing, I'll say that much. But um, yeah, a bit of a change and we've got a, we've got a complete change in the way we're going to be doing things going forward. Okay, great. Excellent. So... Before the lockdown started, George, how, how was your business going along then? I think you were, you were, or, or if my memory serves me right, you were just about to open. Yeah, yeah. So we actually opened on the, I think it was the 27th of February we opened. Um, so yeah, we were open literally just a couple of weeks before the lockdown. So, I mean, before that, it I mean, it was good um, because of what, I mean, like any launch of a new business, you have obviously the marketing and promotion side of things. And we were incredibly, incredibly busy for the two weeks leading up to the uh, the lockdown. Um, and obviously, it was really disappointing because obviously, since being a kid, um, I wanted the restaurant um, and saved up for years and years and years. And then finally, you tack in your job, um, put all my money and savings into building it up. And then obviously, it closed down two weeks after. So, yeah, it was a bit horrible for it to close down so quickly after opening. But, you know, these things happen. Yeah, I think like a lot of businesses, you know, it's a case of, you know, you know, the, the, the best laid plans and all of that. And I guess uh, the global pandemic probably didn't feature in your uh, in your business plan. No, no, not at all. Um, it was one of those things that when we were building the restaurant in January, uh, we obviously were aware of what was going on in China. And we, me and the builders and stuff were actually talking about it. And then one of the builders went away to Spain for the weekend and come back and he said that over in Spain, it was going absolutely crazy. You know, they're already thinking about um, doing lockdowns. He got um, temperature checked at the airport in Spain. When he arrived, he got temperature checked as he left the airport in Spain. Um, and then he kind of arrived back in the UK and he said, there's nothing going on. And he kind of, yeah, he was really surprised, but, so he, he kind of was flagging to our team here when we were building the restaurant that it's much bigger than what was at the time being let on by the media. So, as I say, we were we were aware of uh, that something was going to happen, I think, and we were being sceptical, but never did we think that it was going to turn into a situation where we had to close the restaurant. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it was just a huge surprise, wasn't it? I think to all of us, to all of us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody was, was you know, was, was, uh, saw, it, saw it coming too soon. Although many since have, have alleged that they, 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 they saw everything that was going on. So, no, Steve, it, yeah, yeah. it is. It's the only time I get 2020 vision. So, Steve, <laughs> obviously, um, you're over in Hillsy, aren't you? London Road, I think. Yeah, how, we how are. Was, well, how, how was your business rolling along before 
always um, strong. We were bumbling along. We were actually looking at relocating. It's quite, it's quite interesting how this all sort of how this all happened. Um, we were looking around about January, February. We speaking with um, speaking with some people down in Albert Road. Um, and the one one thing with our business, where it's um, we do sell these pendy pretty things. London Road isn't. It's a quite a fast moving road. It's not really much opportunity to uh, you know sort of catch customers sort of walking down the street because there isn't really much of that um so we thought okay we'll we'll, we'll take a look at somewhere nice marmion road albert road so um we came up with something in albert road we were just in the uh, just in the sort of throes of getting everything organized relocating vacating the shop in hilsey and then suddenly all this kicks off so we're in a situation where we're like right okay if we move to albert road where's the footfall going to come from you know given obviously the, the sort of lockdown situation um so we've kind of had to sort of put all these ideas on the sort of back burner for the minute um and really sort of establish what we what are we going to do coming back to this bear in mind that what i do i actually sit at a desk um which i've now removed i've got rid of my sort of one and a half meter wide desk in the middle of the showroom and put a little computer desk there so we can actually create enough space for social distancing um now we've got a situation where we have to sort of allow customers in one at a time or one household at a time. Um, and then we have to keep the distance and have all the anti-back and, you know, offer the sort of, you know, the, the kind of, you know, do, do people want us to wear masks? Um, you know, we do that quite happy to. So it's kind of completely changed what we're doing. Um, and we're now in a situation where we're sort of, you know, we, we have no other choice than to do an appointment only. We can't have walk-ins. So we have to sit there. I mean, this Saturday I had a couple, they called me 9 a.m. said, can we come in? No problem, 10.30. Lo and behold, another couple come up, they're knocking at the door, you know, can we come in, can we come in? We just can't do it. So mm. it's kind of changed things in a way, from, from my personal point of view, for the better, because it's by appointment. So I don't have to be sat at a desk from 9am to 5pm. Um, so it's quite a nice uh, quite a nice situation that I can maybe be working from home a bit. And if someone calls and says, can we come and see you? Great. Okay. See you there. You know, we can sort of be there within 10 minutes. So it's kind of flipped everything it's so uh, it, you know it's completely flipped uh flipped what we were planning to do um that's all gone out the window we're now where we are and we're sort of saying okay what's going to happen it's busy at the moment we're very nicely busy but i'm not sure if that busyness is a kind of lockdown blip or you know post-covid hopefully post-covid blip don't know we're sort of playing it by ear so we're kind of like you know guessing at it and hopefully um it'll come it'll come out okay you know so so how long were you locked down for steve so how long was, was um, did you well just we tried um, I, mean, I, I, I mean obviously lockdown was 23rd of march officially and i said to my wife okay what we're going to do is we're going to stay sat i'm going I'm to go in every day i'm going to stay open um and you know we're going to see how it goes i mean we'd already seen in march with the with the sort of like you know the, the sort of whole thing fermenting our web traffic dropped by 75 percent. so you know we could see that there was something there, it's serious, it's going to change everything. Um, so I said, right, okay, I'm going to be the, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to sit in my desk, I'm going to turn up every day to work, um, and we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, 23rd, 24th, 25th, in the end, I just looked at the situation, and it was just, you know, I mean, it was just untenable. Um, it's a non-essential business. I couldn't justifiably make a non-essential visit, you know, when you've got people who are obviously, you know, sort of like, you know, key workers and so on and so forth. Um, so I just sort of said, look, okay, I can't, I can't realistically go and drive, make a non-essential drive to a non-essential business and sit there all day. 
to not allow customers in. So I basically locked down from around about the sort of the week end of the 23rd of March. Um, and then basically all we did was sort of did a furlough type of thing where um, where I was sort of, you know, sort of sat around um, with, um, you know, sort of not really being able to do much because obviously, you know, couldn't go into work couldn't really do anything so um it was just an easier option just to sort of so okay time out and um we just sort of yeah. like just focused on other things family things um do a lot of housework <laughs> that sort of stuff but you know yeah. it was um it was an, it was an interesting time yeah um yeah so it's um i, I guess like you say it's um you're uh, you're kind of not in even in normal times you're not in kind of the busy footfall part of the high street um and it like you say it's a i mean you know the you know, having a, having looked at the website, they're, you know, they're beautiful looking radiators, but probably not necessarily kind of people's first kind of thing looking at just no, now. Well, um, well, the, I mean, the really weird thing was that when we were, um, obviously we, we had a number of orders that were actually due to be fulfilled before lockdown. And, you know, various things happened. A lot of our suppliers were in Italy. Obviously, Italy had it two weeks before. So we had a situation where it was like, okay, We've got, you know, people and we're talking about, you know, sort of trendy radiators, housefuls of radiators. So you've got people who spent three, four thousand pounds on me. And it's like, when can we have our radiators? And I'm like, I'm really trying, but they've just furloughed all their drivers. We may be able to get a power courier to deliver them. Sorry, it's not going to happen because we're out of time and we're locked down. And amazingly, people would go, oh, that's fine. I'll see you out the other side. And we'd be like, well, hang on, you know, sort of this is a bit strange. Normally we're yeah, yeah. having people sort of tearing our throats out, you know, I want my stuff. But they were sort of, it, it's almost as though we sort of had this kind of like people just sort of become placid, submissive. And they were like, okay, we'll just have to deal with it when we come out the other side. Um, and lo and behold, you know, I had a, I had a couple, they bought their radiators in March and they picked them up last week. Just like, yeah. oh, hi, yeah. You know, hope you hope you remembered our radiators. Yeah, they're in the shop, no problem. So, um, well, you know, and it was, it's just been a really kind of strange time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, people have been very accepting. So well, good that you're good to hear that your you know your customers are um are, are sticking with it. Um, so George, um, what what sort of um, measures have you um have you put in place? What have you had to? What have you found has has changed for you? Um, well, I mean, in regards to obviously the restaurant industry, it's it's more about kind of keeping the guests, customers, and staff safe. Uh, we've We've installed a, a massive number of, I'm actually sat in the restaurant at the moment, but we've installed a massive number of screens uh, throughout the restaurant in between every single table. Um, we've got a hand sanitizing unit at the front of the shop. And as I say, the funny thing was, obviously, we spent uh, tens and tens and tens of thousands buying and building the restaurant uh, to trade for two weeks, then have to spend a few more thousand, obviously, making it all uh, all safe and stuff. So, um, but yeah, we, we've we've kind of had to implement all these different things and I say for us it's really the capacity issue you know we were seating 56 58 people in the restaurant and now we're only seating 28 30 um so that's where the kind of struggle has gone more um mm. it's the fact that we can't have the turnover anymore we can't you know there's nothing we can do about that the only slight um, positive that might have come from it is the council. I'm not sure if you're aware, but the council have recently allowed uh, restaurants, pubs, cafes, and things like that to have the outside of yeah. their shop where there could be parking, like any kind of permit parking. They can have that temporarily suspended um, and then allow you to put seats and stuff outside there temporarily uh, for a short amount of time. And that's something that we've, we've signed up to. And hopefully fingers crossed that'll all be done this week. And we can obviously hopefully then put, put another, put another, what four five six tables outside which will obviously then increase our, our turnover ability however 
that being said, the recent announcement from Rishi Sunak has helped us incredibly, incredibly. He announced about the scheme, you know, the Eat Out to Help Out scheme on Monday. And we had over 100 bookings in the first 24 hours. So for us, it was literally incredible. So it's not too bad at the moment, but we've just got to adapt and change. So during the lockdown period, George, did did you did you toy with anything else like um, <laughs> takeaway or home delivery or... Yeah, yeah. So we, um, well, literally, as soon as it happened, we kind of put our ring in the hat and said, look, we can we can supply food to people that are vulnerable, you know, homeless, elderly, things like that. Straight away, we put our hat in the ring. Um, and we got in contact with uh, Councillor Steve Pitt, who's the deputy leader of council. And we basically said to Steve, look, this is what we can do. This is the production quality we can do. This is the, the, the amount we can do. Um, and within three weeks, I think we were we were delivering food to just over 500 people a day um, on behalf of the council um, for the homeless people and stuff. So that's one of the things we were doing. And we also were doing a grocery delivery service for elderly, vulnerable and disabled people. So we were supplying like meats and veg and fruits and things like that, because although the supermarkets were like really struggling with stock at the time, a lot of the kind of major suppliers and we're, we're tied in with a major supplier, luckily, um, they had like an overflux of stock you know absolutely yeah. so much stock it was unbelievable because all of a sudden all the restaurants closed the holiday parts closed all the flights were grounded so they had an abundance of stock so we had absolutely no issues getting stock whatsoever throughout the whole time um so yeah we, we ended up doing as I say a homeless delivery um for council and as I say we also did we also did groceries and stuff for elderly and vulnerable and disabled people as well so it it was it was it was rewarding i wouldn't say profitable because we made like nothing but but you know, we covered our costs, which is the main thing. We covered our rent, we covered our electric, we covered our bills, our insurances, and we're still here now. So, and without that, it would have been touch and go. It's uh, it's, it's quite an interesting thing for you to pivot that quickly to you know complete you know um, you know starting a new business is um, I should imagine is is um, you know it's the it's the first couple of years in it probably that the most risky, mm. but then actually within a couple of weeks to face the word unprecedented, I think has been used in unprecedented levels. Um, yeah. But it's, um, but it's interesting to see that you've kind of seen the opportunities to, to pivot your operation into, into different well, areas. Funnily enough, the, the job role that we, that I had in my team, because it's funnily enough, the, the job that I used to have was head of catering at one of the UK's biggest holiday parks. And obviously I used to be responsible for a department that would cook literally thousands and thousands and thousands of meals a day. Um, and when I left that job and, and obviously started the restaurant, a lot of my team from that old place came with me as well. So for us, going from a restaurant to cooking thousands of meals a day was actually not as complicated as you would think because we right. have been doing it for years and years before. So um, for us, it was kind of just like snap. We knew exactly what to do, how to do it, how to hot hold everything, how to transport everything, you know, almost instantly because of the previous experience at the holiday park. So for our team, it was kind of natural, but um, it was just massively unexpected. As I say, you, you think you're going to open up a nice bistro with three course meals and all of a sudden you're doing bulk cooking again. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> Yeah, but well, so it, well, it certainly serves you and and the people that you've provided for you know provided food, meals for in, in good stead then, hasn't it? Um, yeah. So um, so switching back to Steve, have you found the have you found the guidance from uh, from the council or from the government? Have you found that's been easy to follow, or is it? Um... Yeah, it's been. I mean, it's been fairly straightforward. I'm, I'm quite fortunate because I'm in the I'm in the showroom on my own anyway. Um, so really, it was just a case of right, okay. 
move everything, sort of push everything to the sides of the, you know, to the periphery, as it were, put a little desk in so I can easily accommodate one household. They can come in. I can stay away from them, talk to them. Um, so, it, you know, as far as the council instruction has gone, kind of I haven't really had to follow anything to the letter because I'm not in an awkward situation. Um, but obviously, um, you know, all, all the other bits and pieces that they've sort of been able to do um, has been really helpful. So, um, yeah, we've kind of come at the end of it, um, you know, sort of almost a case of um, obviously didn't make any money. Um, but, you know, we sort of like we haven't come out of it sort of like, you know, absolutely laden with debt, not knowing where the next, you know, where the next bit of business is going to come from. So, yeah, I mean, council have been, been pretty good. I think they've been, the, I think, I think the, the country as a whole, I mean, this kind of um, make it akin to sort of this whole thing is kind of a bit like sort of World Cup goalies. There's no prizes for standing in that goal. And I think, to be honest with you, the government, you know, there's no prizes. They're going to get things wrong. They're going to get things right. And at the end of the day, they're going to, you know, they're just going to do their best. So all in all, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not upset in the slightest about the support we've had and, you know, sort of the way the government's handled things. Yeah, one, one thing that fascinated me about the, the story you told there, Steve, is that, you know, that there's there's probably been a discussion been going on now for a couple of years about the future of the high street or the future of retail and, and you know, online versus physical location. And it, it, it sounds to me what, you know, you, you say you've got an online presence, um, your showroom, you know, historically was been... You know, it wasn't wasn't in a high population density area, um, and and it seems now to me that that, that rather than trying to get you know, to a place where more people are going to come into the shop, it sounds like you, you've actually, in the same style as as George, had to temporarily tear up his business model. It sounds like you're you're kind of reevaluating the way you do business, going yeah, forward. Totally. You know, e even after all this is over. Yeah, I mean, totally. I, I mean. Uh, what we're looking at is a situation where obviously we're going to stick with the um, we're going to stick with the appointment only system. Um, we actually did it in Christmas 2018. We did it in Christmas 2019, mainly because our suppliers aren't available. Then they, they closed down over those periods. So we kind of did an appointment only thing, mainly to get me out of the house over Christmas, to be honest. Um, but it worked really well, and we got sales. And it was like, oh, I'd love to do this, but you know, just really wasn't you know commercially brave enough to do it. Um, but the other side of things, I don't think the public were, I mean, say they weren't ready for it. I mean, there's online, everything's so instant. You can click buttons Friday night with a glass of Chardonnay in your hand and, and you know, spend inordinate amounts of money, you know, sometimes quite, quite badly, make very, very bad choices. Um, you know, so we've got a situation now where we can say, OK, right, you, you know, come in by appointment. Um, you know, we'll sit, you know, we'll sit down with you for an hour. We'll try and guide you the right way. We'll try and work out all your heat outputs requirements for your rooms and so on and so forth. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I'm getting a feeling, I'm um, getting a vibe that, you know, I think this is, this is actually going to be good for us. Um, you know, because it seems as though people are now, they're looking at the small business and they're saying, okay, you know, you know let, let's help the little guys, you know, let, what's the point of chucking money at Amazon and whoever, let's go and go and put money in local businesses um, let's, you know, let's sort of like look for things we want to buy because obviously everyone's fed up with being stuck indoors looking on the internet. So I'm kind of optimistic. I hope it's not a, I hope it's not a sort of like a bubble where it's kind of all a little bit false at the moment. Um, I hope this carries on because it looks like it's a nicer way for me to do business. It means that I get to interact with people and they buy the right things, which is good for them. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of pretty optimistic about it all. Excellent. That's certainly good to hear. 
Um, so it's so not not all um, doom and gloom. We won't use the phrase that Ian's, um, Ian uses quite um, quite a lot on, on Pompey Politics Facebook group. Um, but um, but yeah. So how, how about you, George? Are you um, you kind of hopeful about how things are how things are going to going to progress? Yeah, definitely. Picking up from what Steve said, I couldn't actually agree with him more. Um, what I've found is exactly the same as what he says: is that the the support for independent local businesses has massively superseded what it was before. Um, I mean, aside from myself, my mum has a, a small independent business. She's had it for about must be twenty five years almost now, and I won't say necessarily what it is. I mean, she does like balloon decorations and children's fancy dress and all these different things, um, and about. I don't know, maybe eight, nine, ten years ago now, her business started to fall because all the major corporations, the Amazons, the you know, all these large, large companies have come in and taken that trade up. And over the years, her trade has gone down, 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 you know, to almost minimal levels now. And now she kind of does it more as a hobby than a than a than a business, which is a real shame. However, even her, for example, I mean, say her her balloon trade is she says she's not been this busy in 10, 15 years. You know, it's it's been absolutely crazy because people are staying at home. Um, you know, they want balloon decorations, they want banners for the outside of their houses and stuff like that. And instead of using typical Amazons or going down to the local, you know, card shop and picking up helium balloons, they're actually using small local independent businesses. So it's not just not just to say home home stuff like Steve does, it's not just restaurants, it's it's supplies as well. And anything that people can do to not buy off large corporations and support local people, I'm all for. Um and it's something I mean I I couldn't even tell you the last time I bought something off of, uh, you know, from a personal reason, not business, but from a personal reason, I couldn't tell you the last time I bought something off of like a large supermarket or anything like that. I've been buying off of local greengrocers, local meat suppliers, um, you know, all the local things we've been purchasing, like little cakes and things like that, off little small businesses and stuff we've been doing. Um, but it's fundamentally important. However, as I say, I agree with Steve. Everybody seems to be on the same wavelength. And at the moment, they are supporting uh, large business, uh, sorry, local businesses. But, Let's hope that lasts for a long time. Hopefully so. so oh, sorry, son. No, no, go, go for it, mate. Go on, Ian. So, you know, perhaps it's a, a wider question, George. But you know, obviously, Simon and I are very familiar with Caution High Street as we we, we both live in the ward, and um, I travel You'll have to come down them. for a meal. Indeed, I, I'm, I'm coming down. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> It's it's on my it's on my agenda, George. To be honest, it's because uh, yeah. um, again, I, I I used to work from home before lockdown, so uh, I've been doing it for about two or three years. And your your predecessor was one of my um was one of my go to spots when you need human interaction after you've been on video conferences for all morning. So I, I you know I'll definitely start to get out and about again. But I guess my question is, how, how do you see the future of the high street? Because um, obviously, you know, we've seen in Caution a, a kind of a, a change in, in perhaps the makeup of the high street. What, what do you see as the future? It's difficult. I mean, as you say, you know Caution really well, and it is difficult. This is the second premises I've had here. Um, I had one about five years ago. I had a small business, and I just couldn't get it off the ground. It was it was incredibly difficult. And even back then, we needed support and needed funding. Um, as you probably know, the pedestrianised side of the high street, not that it's a problem now, because obviously they, they've wavered um, tax, you know, for a, for a short period of time. But as you know, the pedestrianised part of the high street, the, the rates are so, so, so expensive. 
um, that it makes kind of independent trade not possible. Um, however, the high streets, I don't know what you think, but the high street seems, in my opinion, to have picked up a lot recently. Um, a lot of people are using the cafs down here. In the morning, you drive past and all the cafs are filled. Uh, people seem to be coming out. I remember, say, I remember about three or four years ago, and as you say, if you're, you'll remember as well, Caution High Street really started to die down. It really started mm. to get quiet, um, like worryingly quiet. Um, and as you probably know, there's loads of empty properties. There's loads of, you know, you could rent 10 different shops down the high street. Um, and now I think there's just one available down here. There certainly has been a dynamic shift in kind of what is available on the high street you know there is a massive now food presence a massive charity shop presence a massive hair and beauty and that type of thing but fundamentally as long as people are spending money locally then i'm all support of, of, of whatever trade that should be but for the short term and i hope you agree that i think the high street will be okay because of the support um that we that we've been given that's from a national level and a local level because the local council have been absolutely fantastic um, in in supporting you know local businesses throughout this whole situation. But it's 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 always difficult to say how long it will last for, isn't it? It's always difficult to say, oh, you know, what do you think about the future? Because if you'd have said a year ago, what do you think is going to happen this time next year? You would never have been able to answer this. So it's it's certainly up in the air. But hopefully, as I say, definitely noticing a massive footfall um, increase on the high street. So fingers crossed. So is there, is there, and I guess the $64 million question then, without trying to put you on the spot, is, um, is what would you, and you're quite, you're quite right, to be honest, you can't kind of predict, nobody, no, anybody who tells you they can reliably predict trends is, um, is either a liar or a fool, or probably both. Um, <laughs> but if you, could, if you could do anything to actually try to maintain that, the sustainability actually of a, of a thriving high street, what would what would you want to see happen? Personally, me, I would like to see all the businesses link up together. All the local businesses link up together. We link up with, like, for example, the hair salon just up the road, and they can have like a beauty treatment. Well, obviously, this is pre-lockdown; it's not currently now, but we will restart the offer. But they can have a beauty treatment, and then they can come here for a light lunch, and we do a package with them. Um, but I think that all of the businesses should link up together in some way. Now, whether that's that's kind of like. A local caution business card where you can use like stamps and collect stamps at each store but local businesses only not nationals all the local ones you collect stamps for every you know 10 pound you spend you get a stamp and when you get 10 stamps you get x amount off of so and so business all you need is somebody really to to kind of admin that but i think that if we can support each other then that will go a long way and i think that, that then we can kind of create a network and then if somebody's slightly falling down and someone's slightly struggling the rest of us can jump in and try and push some trade their way. And I think that that's probably the best way of securing any kind of form of security for the high street long term. It's, it's a really, it's a really interesting idea. Um, to be fair, I'll ask Steve the same question. What would, um, what would, what would you like to see done to, to help keep the high street um, alive? In the sort of, in the Pompey area, um, I think is, I think to be honest with you, we've kind of let the sort of the high street go um you know for what for whatever reasons um you know i think it needs to be rethought oh, there was some talk about taking on um the part uh, the area next door to gunwharf um and turning that into more retail um personally i think they should do some serious work on commercial road i mean we all know the problems there it's it's not a very pleasant place um you know you've got a situation where a, a good idea i think if they re uh, if they turned it back into a highway 
obviously that would take the pressure off of the sort of traffic going down past Gun Wharf and going into South Sea. Um, you know, going into commercial road, you could be serving all those students, turn it into a, even a, into a bus lane sort of thing. Um, you know, you could have a situation where, um, you know, where people could sort of jump off the bus, go to Primark, wherever they want to go to. Um, you know, at the moment, I just see it as just sort of like it's just turned into a kind of a rather depressing sort of tent city, um, you know, and I think they really need to say, take a serious look at it. Um, as far as local trades concerned, um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen because I don't know where we're going to be with regard to sort of, um, you know, when are we going to come out of this? I mean, you know, are we going to be in a situation where we don't have to the distance fairly soon? Um, you know, uh, that's, I think that's going to be a tough situation for, for some businesses. Um, you know, if you can't actually, uh, you know, you can't actually sort of freely go in. I went into um, Aussie, they've got haircut, Aussie's, the barbers in Highbury buildings. You know, and they're literally, they've got sort of, you know, the face masks on and the sort of visors and all this sort of stuff, you know, and they've, they've had to put their prices up, um, you know, and sort of talking to them, they sort of said, well, look, you know, we've got to use disposable, you know, sort of gowns, we've got to wear all this PPE, all this stuff, you know, um, and yeah, their businesses, their business is a lot harder. Um, and, you know, they've got to sort of say to their clientele, okay, can you stick a few extra quid in your pocket? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, going forward, is it is it going to get easier? Um, yeah, obviously, it's, it's going to end. You know, coronavirus is not going to be with us forever. We're not going to be living like this all the time. But um, for the in, in, for the for the immediate, I don't, I don't know. Um, hopefully it will be, you know, it will be um, it'll be better for people. But I'm not sure. <laughs> don't know. That's that's okay. I, uh, to be fair, it was kind of like an on the on the spot thing, so don't worry. We're we're not we're not challenging you to find the answer to solve everything. That's don't. don't I wish worry. I could. Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've got the solution for commercial road. What's the solution for commercial road then, Ian? Bulldoze it. Raise <laughs> it flat. Start uh, again. Uh, um, replace it with with what? I'm glad you didn't suggest doing that to the entire island, mind. But why? why no, would no, you... no, no, no. I, I just think it's it, it is it, it is a it is a thing of its time, you know. I remember the great Tricorn Centre when I was a kid, and how, you know, what a dreadful rat-infested stink hole that was. And they had the good sense to knock that down. And I think, I think most commercial road needs to go the same way. You want to put something there that people will go to. I kind of like the box park idea, um, you know, which has been done very successfully in some of your London boroughs, where you. You know, it's really, it's speaking a little bit to, to where George was going, it's about very small niche independent traders who, you know, frankly, can't afford high street rents and rates. And you give them a shipping container to operate out of and, and you, get a, you get a range of creative and innovative businesses in one place. It's quite, sorry, jump in. That's quite interesting with, um, with sort of small businesses. Um, obviously, you know, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, da da da, they don't actually bring any money into the country. Um, they, they provide jobs, they put people, you know, they put sort of thing, but they don't pay any tax. Now, it's interesting how the um, Conservatives have just, just, you know, they've gone straight away, okay, small businesses, they've offered a massive amount of support, you know, um, small business rate relief, so on and so forth. Um, they've come in almost straight away. I mean, I, I wouldn't have in a million years expected it. You know, when, when we first sort of heard about lockdown, I was thinking, right, am I going to survive? Is, you know, and I did actually say to somebody, I met somebody, how's it going with lockdown? I said, I don't think we're going to survive this. And then obviously all the support came in. Um, so, you know, they've very much got an eye on them and they understand very much that small businesses are the, you know, we're the guys that pay the tax. 
we're the guys that actually bring the revenue. We're the guys, you know, we're the guys that are keeping the, com the country ticking over. So, you know, um, going forward, um, are people going to sort of say, okay, you know, put my money with small businesses rather than with Amazon? Are the councils going to say, right, okay, let's work out more schemes so we can support these businesses? You know, I'm, I've got to say, I'm optimistic in that. I think that will happen. I think they'll sort of look at it even more and say, right, okay, let's, let's support these guys. Hope so. I yeah. think... I think the question, though, you know, if I can just interrupt, and this is really a, a thing with me and you, Steve, is is that if we went into a localised lockdown like Leicester did and we didn't get any additional funding like Leicester hasn't, then would me and you be in trouble? That's the question, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because I, this, be honest, this yeah. I'm, I'm scared of a, I'm scared of a second lockdown. Um, you know, realistically, you've got to ask the question, well, how much can the government continue to finance things? They can't. That's you know, and you know, I'm yeah. looking at it, and yeah, I'm happy to get my wife and kids at home and go and you know, go and do the shopping in Sainsbury's, you know, and at the end of the day, try and keep as try and keep everybody as isolated as possible. Um, because we can't afford you know, we can't afford to do this continually, you know. And and fundamentally, people, I think, forget that, that when we're being given handouts, when we're being given money, it's our money we're being given back in the first place. That's what people don't realise. They're not giving us this magic money. It's, it's, actual our, it's our money, you know. And when they give it to us and lend it to us, essentially, we've got to give it back, you know. Yeah. So it can't go on forever. Yeah, and that's I mean, only, that's I mean you've, probably, you've probably heard as much as me. I mean, you know, the sort of like this, you know, sort of people have treated it as a bit of a gravy train. Um, you know, I've heard of people that turn around and put a deposit on it. I've heard a guy put a deposit on the house. Um, you know, another one where somebody, you know, sort of like, you know, sort of like did load of money on a Range Rover, you know, and sort of all these ridiculous things. Mm -hmm. People turn around furloughing and working, you know. I mean, there is all this stuff going on. And obviously, you know, the government is going to have to sort of like get the grips with it and deal with these people. Um, we're, you know, we're, not, think... we're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be sort of looking at this and saying, right, okay, this isn't all just for me. I mean, I don't want to, that we're all in together. I don't want to sort of like start spouting cliches, but it is at the end of the day, you've got to behave sensibly. You've got to say, thank you very much. So I know I'm going to be paying this back in the taxes. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's a... I think that's ultimately going to be the question, isn't it? Are we move here into the great world of macroeconomic policy, which, uh, which neither myself or Simon are, are particularly skilled in the art, although enthusiastic amateurs. And it's that question of, you know, we, if you've got a gaping axe wound to the thigh, putting an elastoplast on it isn't going to do it, or holding a committee meeting to decide what you should do with the gaping wound, you've got to do something fairly serious and interventionist, which is what's happened, um, you know, which has stemmed the bleeding. The question of, of what comes next, I guess, is probably the, uh, that, that is going to be the, I would say million dollar question, but I think it's, it's probably it's billion the best part question. of a, yeah. a, a trillion dollar <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it passed. It, it passed being only a, a mere million, you know, several weeks ago. Um, I think Ian is is desperately inside, smarting a bit that Rishi Sunak has turned out to be the most socialist Chancellor Exchequer that um, that the, <laughs> the country. The, man, the man's the man's gone mad. As, <laughs> as, a, as a fiscally <laughs> prudent conservative, it hurts. But yeah. I, I'm gritting my teeth. Yeah, I know. I know. I was listening to LBC the other day and there was um, there was a guy from Momentum on there and he's, he turned around and said, I can't even argue with Richie Sunak. You know, he's doing everything I want him to do. You know, it's uh, but at the end of the day, I think that uh, from a personal opinion, I don't think the government's handled it necessarily well overall. However, I think Richie Sunak 
you said, has, has reacted uh, very, very swiftly to it. And unlike the rest of the government who have been really reactive, I think Richie Sunak's been very proactive. And I think that he's seen things before they've happened and, and tried to resolve them as quick as possible. Um, but as you say, how long is it going to last? You can't, as you say, you can't put an elastic, elastic blast over a gaping axe wound, can you? So who knows? Hmm. Well, if we if we all knew the answer to that question, um, well, we'd we'd um, we'd be in a better position. But I guess to some degree, there's a mixture of kind of planning, risk management, and mitigation, and hmm. um, and just to be honest, playing some things by ear because some things we're just not going to know. Um, but it's interesting to hear how because um, you know small small businesses like yours have the have the have the ability to react and respond in a much more nimble way than you know larger organizations necessarily can and some of some of those yeah. have responded quite well and some of them not quite so well but it, it i think I, that's the power of the small I, businesses isn't it i mean from a small business angle um i've just purchased a second restaurant um literally signed the paperwork a week ago and everyone's like going what are you doing you know that's absolute madness but the thing is, is that first of all, the prices are incredibly low at the moment, you know, so I, this restaurant I've purchased, um, I would say this time last year, I couldn't get it for less than a quarter of a million. Um, and I've managed to pick it up for tens of thousands instead, you know, it's, it's such a cheap steal. However, and I think this is the thing that landlords have really got to look into the future as well. I said to the landlord, I'll take the property on one condition that we have a clause in there, which, which kind of comes in as a force majeure which allows us to either not pay rent or, or leave the contract should another spike happen and should the entire country go into lockdown. And I think that from a small business angle, that's what we've got to look at. We've got to look at challenging the landlords um, to say that, you know, if this happens again, this is what's going to happen. Because I think a lot of the businesses are failing, especially local businesses, because the only thing you say, the tax has been put to the side, uh, you know, the rates have been put to the side. And a lot of the energy companies and phone companies have been very lenient and said, look, you can pay us in a couple of months. But the landlords, as you've probably heard, quite a lot of being quite scrupulous and quite kind of enforcing that they must have their rents. We cannot give discounts. You know, we, we've got half a capacity, but we still got to pay 100 percent rent. Um, but equally, the landlords are running a business too. However, as I say, from, from a future perspective, I think that small small businesses and kind of independent traders need to negotiate with their landlords slightly better. And on the term where there is, as I say, a clause in there that says if COVID comes back, if there's another spike, if you go back into lockdown, what happens, you know, and, and protect the business a little bit. And that's what we've done with our new restaurant. You've got to protect. And that's what we've got to think about future wise is, is kind of securing our futures within the industry as well. Good point. It's interesting to say that about the um, about the sort of like you know getting a break clause in there because when we actually looked into the shop, we looked into our shop. We bought it in two thousand and six. Um, when we were looking round, um, we looked at a place in uh, Drayton, and um, the you know sat down, had a chat with the landlord, and the landlord said, "Right, said okay, is your wife um, is your wife part of the business?" I said, "No, she's not part of the business." He said, "Well, she'll have to sign on as a guarantor." <laughs> Why is that? He said, well, basically, he said, because I'm going to lock you in for 10 years, don't pay your rent, I'll come after your house. Your house, yeah. Now that, you know, when we look at that, that's the kind, you know, 10 year locked in. I mean, you know, you can't predict, you know, there's no way on earth you can predict the business now. You can't even predict the next year. No. Um, so, you know, break clauses have got to come in. I mean, you know, obviously we've got, you know, the death of the high street, which was occurring way before COVID. Um, and you've got your big players, your John Lewis's, you've got your Debenhams, you've got all these, you know, all these, um, these prime retail you know properties um 
the way I see it going forward, break them up into independence, you know, encourage mm. small business, get, get little companies to, uh, you know, get little companies who pay the tax. You know, they don't, they haven't got big accountants avoiding, you know, avoiding the whatever tax that they possibly can. I mean, you know, I go to my accountant and I just say, you know, do you ever get me out of anything? Cause they don't seem to, <laughs> you, know, you just pay the tax. So, you know, if you look at it from the point of view, I mean, the government have obviously, they've realized, they've said, right, we've got to support small businesses and they have. Um, but on the other side of things going forward, that's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be really key that they look after small businesses, encourage more small businesses, little independents, and, you know, get those to be the employers, not your Amazons and your sort of, you know, Amazons and your Ebays and whatever, you know, just, you know, get your, get your little company, your little companies opening up in high streets and local places. Yeah. And they're all going to pay their tax like good little people. So, you know, that's, that's my, that's my thought on it. That's what they should be looking to do. But with taxes yeah. that taxes, the price we pay for a civilized society, right? It, you know, it, um, it shouldn't be a cool thing to avoid tax, but unfortunately it seems that the large multinationals seem to have operate in a different playing field than, you know, well, of course they like do. I mean, that's the thing. Cause they know they hold the cards. If they, mm. if they hire 50,000 people and those 50,000 people are densely populated within one County and they turn around and say, look, if you charge us a billion pound tax, we're going to walk out and go to Ireland, for example, then the, the government in the country couldn't afford that kind of loss, you know, mm. of 50,000 unemployed like that, you know, and, and that's why I think the government are, are scared of, of, battling down on the taxes and things like that. And I think it was, I think, was it Amazon or Starbucks or Apple or whatever, who literally turned around and, and I was to say, once again, I listened to LBC quite a lot and they were saying it was only two, three days ago. And they, they turned around and basically said that they're not paying it. And if they're, if they're told they've got to pay it, they'll just look elsewhere, at, you know, moving their, their head office elsewhere. And that kind of attitude is, is terrifyingly scary, but the government don't enforce it. Do they? That's the problem. They well, don't, they don't calm down. So I, so before I, I now work for a charity, which makes me a very decent human being. But before <laughs> that, I worked for a pharmaceutical multinational. So I know exactly nice. how they make sure that they realise their profits in the most tax advantaged location. And even mm -hmm. though the UK rate of income tax is 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 reasonably low compared to some other places in Europe, when countries who shall remain nameless say well if you base your head office here we'll charge you nine percent corporation tax which based on a turnover of 30 billion dollars yeah you know at that point you're going to say well that halves my tax liability so yeah i'll pick all the people up and we'll move them to the uh, to the location of your choosing it does become a, a race to the bottom so so i take it your second restaurant George isn't isn't offshored somewhere in the Cayman Islands. No, not just yet. <laughs> no, no, no. It's in uh, it's in uh, the county of Winchester. So it's only yeah, it's only it's, it's um what about I don't know, fifteen minutes away, something like that. But it's uh, yeah, I just I just to say I saw the opportunity and thought, why not? You know, let's go for it. Brilliant. So, wow. gentlemen, it's been a fascinating conversation. If you'd just like to, uh, George, if you want to start, just uh, give us a quick pitch of your business, where you are and uh, where people can find you online. Sure. So um, our business is called The Wix Bistro. Um, simply on Facebook, type The Wix Bistro in and you'll find us at the top. Um, and we're a premium dining restaurant in the heart of Caution High Street. And we provide a good food, at a good price, a good service, hopefully. <laughs> We should actually have to check that out and stay. Yeah, we'll judge. Well, my business, um, radiatorshowroom.com, um, based in Hilsey. 
Um, we're basically we're, we're a radiator specialist, which sounds a bit daft because you think, well, okay, you need radiators, go and see a plumber. But a lot of people want to see trendy colours and trendy sizes and different styles, cast iron and what have you. So we do all that stuff. Um, now, what that basically means is that we, we can sit down and do a consultation, um, tell you exactly what you need, what you don't need, what's a good idea, what's not. Um, we've got, because we, we are a specialist, um, we have an arrangement with uh, some of our companies where we have a factory outlet arrangement where we get ridiculous prices, you know, up to 50% off recommended retail price. And we're basically you know, sourcing directly from the company in Italy and obviously, you know, sort of shipping them out to people. Um, you know, they're getting bargains. We're getting, obviously, we're giving good service. Um, and that's the way we do things. Um, so, yeah, it's quite good fun, um, you know. And, uh, yeah, bring me out for an appointment because I don't sit there all day anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. By, appo- by appointment only. Yeah. So you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guests have been George, and, Steve, and I've been Simon Sansbury. <laughs>